you know what I want to do? I was told that I would never walk again by this doctor. So what I want to do is as soon as I can even get on a walker, I'm going to walk into that office and show them that I can. And our guest on this episode of Sidewalk Talk is Dr. Josh Davis from First Step Physical Therapy. Doc, welcome to the program. Tell us Thank your story. Thank you so much. What first step physical therapy? Tell me the story behind it. Where, where you know why first step? Absolutely. So first step physical therapy we originated in the Atlanta area, um, and we specialize in the outpatient treatment of neurologic issues. Um, and so a lot of times you'll see you know a lot of outpatient clinics they're very orthopedic based, and in doing that they see multiple patients an hour. You're you're running through you know two three four patients an hour and trying to get them you know better orthopedically as quickly as possible. And what we've noticed is that with the with the neurologic population it takes a little more of that one on one time with them, and sometimes it takes multiple hours of, of treatment to be able to get them to their functional goals. Um, and so that's kind of the way that we have structured the whole first step recovery model, doing all one-on-one -on -one physical therapy, one patient with one therapist for a full hour. And we'll do that for multiple hours if needed. Um, and then being able to give them that undivided attention allows us to go through all of our 10 components that we try to put into each of our steps of the first step recovery model. So we we got to know you through the Make Lemonade Foundation for Cerebral Palsy. And 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 Sherry Sherry and, and, and Lauren were, I mean, they can't stop talking about you, right? So how how does so is this physical therapy that's this type of physical therapy? I know you call it neurologic rehab. Is this for Joe Blow that hurts his knee, you know, and needs physical therapy? Or is it, you know, people, um, you know, working with, with cerebral palsy and, and, and trying uh, to rehab in, in that manner? Which which is, is it both? How does, how does that work? Yeah, so the, awesome, the great thing about the first step recovery model is it's it's movement based. And so we break it down into seven steps, starting at the top and working our way down the body. So if you're looking at step one, you're talking about the head and neck and seeing where the movement patterns are and how that movement is being initiated. And so we call that the driver. And so step one is just the head driver. And then we move down. Now you're moving down into the shoulder driver and getting everything moving in that region, not just the shoulder joints, but also the ribs that come into the, to the sternum and the breastbone and then around in the back to the, to the vertebrae. And how is all the, not just the joints, but the soft tissue, everything in that region moving and then going down into step three. Now you have to connect that to, in order to have a, to progress in that functional movement. Now you have to progress from the shoulder driver, connect that to the arms, connect that to the pelvis to be able to get that full body motion. Um, then we look at the forearms and the hands, making sure that you're able to grip, grasp, um, pick up things, manipulate objects, um, going down into the pelvis, which is step five, um, making sure that the pelvis is what's leading that motion, specifically in standing 
standing positions and with walking, making sure you're not leading with that head or you know, you're not you're no longer a head driver or a shoulder driver, but now you're letting that pelvis be the leader and the initiator of the movement. And then everything else can be a passenger and go along for the ride with you. Um, once you maintain that pelvic driver, have that good core control, now you can move down into the hips, into the knees, and then last but not least, down into the ankles. Um, and we have, you know, our 10 components that we have in, in each step to be able to put into that. So to answer your question specifically, we designed the first step recovery model to be able to progress neurologic patients, people with, um, you know, nerve, spine, brain injuries, to be able to progress them um, a little bit quicker than what they were getting in normal outpatient settings. That being said, it can be you know, placed onto an orthopedic patient. So, you know, you go outside, you sprain your ankle. Now I'm looking down at that, that step seven and saying, okay, I want to be an ankle driver. What techniques do I have to be able to improve the soft tissue in the area, the mobility of the joints in the area to strengthen, to get neuromuscular reeducation, to get control balance, that type of stuff. And we can put all of that into each individual step. Um, quite honestly, it's just easier with orthopedic patients because it's so specific to the neurologic population, which typically has more um, comorbidities and dysfunctions that are going on with, with that population. So uh, say uh, someone even has, uh, you know, degenerative disc, disc disease, you know, that it's uh, and along whatever thoracic, wherever they are in the spine, then would you start at step one and work someone like that through the process? How does, how does that work? Absolutely. And so each, each person is individualized. And so we would bring them in, look at where we're starting. Okay. And so if we're, we're we would look and say, okay, what is their movement patterns and you know, where specifically is that going on with more of an orthopedic patient? Typically you wouldn't start at step one and work your way down through step seven. You would start wherever that dysfunction is, because typically that is where the beginning origins of the, the, you know, the dysfunction begins. And so what you would, you know, say you had a, you know, degenerative disc, say you have sciatica of the lumbar spine, right? Coming out of that L4-5 region, going down into the back and, you know, through the hip and down your leg, you know, shooting pain down the leg. We would look at that region and, and look at the movement patterns of the pelvis um, and really see if you are able to, in, one, start with the posture, right? Make sure that nothing is compressing on that nerve in that region, the soft tissue, the joints, make sure everything has the mobility that it needs. And then being able to, once you, you know, you look at the anatomy that's there, you look at the biomechanics of that anatomy, is it moving properly? Then you can start to coordinate and make sure that you have the coordination needed to make functional movements in everyday life without that pain, without the neuropathy, without the, you know, sharp shooting going down the leg. Did did you get into this? You personally, I mean, well, before we even get to that, talk about Lauren Wallier and her 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 case and her situation. Um, you've seen her go from really struggling and to now ballroom dancing. Take me through her situation, and I know she's okay with us talking about it. Absolutely, um, she's talked to us Lord. about it. She wants the world. <laughs> she wants the world to know about it. Again, a, a plug for them to make Lemonade Foundation. Our great foundation, our Make Lemonade Foundation for Cerebral Palsy. You can check them out online at makelemonade.org. Um, and it's uh, um, 
it's it's an interesting story her story alone i mean obviously she's a strong strong woman now right but Absolutely. take me through her story and why they can't stop talking about you and and t trying to tell the world that if they need help to come and see you well, lauren has an awesome awesome story right i met lauren about 10 years ago um at first step physical therapy down in fayetteville georgia and south just south of atlanta um, and they came in, she was, you know, she was diagnosed with cerebral palsy. She was, you know, going to school full time, but was in a wheelchair because she was afraid that, you know, she was having multiple falls a day, um, you know, with especially trying to get around in, in middle school with a book bag and kids walking through the hallways, knocking you over, that kind of thing. So she was, you know, in a wheelchair full time. Um, and then, you know, just sitting down with her going through, okay, what are your goals? We were able to progress her from, you know, from a wheelchair to a posterior walker to bilateral cane. So canes on both sides or forearm crutches. And then we were able to get that down to one cane. Then we we're able to start the, the walking patterns and using going through that step five, six, seven, and getting the pelvic driver, getting the hip and knee driver, getting that ankle driver started. And then once you are able to do that, she's able to progress from, you know, from the wheelchair chair to the walker to the two canes to the one cane and then being able to walk without anything right and having that good balance and then eventually progressing to athletics right being able to that she's able to do ballroom dancing which is an amazing story and i mean it, it one thing for people to know it, it doesn't happen overnight and it does take work um it takes work on our part it takes work on their part but if if they're willing to put that time in and you know willing to give us the time that's needed you can see amazing progress functionally so let's now let's not talk as a doctor uh although doctors are humans i want you to talk as a human tell me how when you see cases like lauren and situations like lauren how tell me how that makes you feel oh great <laughs> i mean i'll tell you um you know we do we have our facebook page we have our instagram page and i have friends from college and from growing up and then my parents friends and they'll come up to me and and they're like man you have an awesome job i was like i actually do you know one i love what i do um two i, I like training other people to love what we do and then three we get to see people get better right we get to see people who are down and out who i mean and really a lot of the especially the neurologic population they've been told for years that you know that this is as far as they're going to be right that that functionally you're going to be in this wheelchair that you you know this is what's going to be best for you and then what you start to see is you know if you're sitting in a wheelchair all day long guess what happens? You start to develop these orthopedic problems as well. So now you start to get that back pain. You, your hips start to tighten up. Your ankles and knees, they start to tighten up because you've been in that flex position for so long. Um, and so by the time, you know, they come to us, now we can start making really fast progress just by getting those orthopedic issues out of the way and then start to address some of the neurologic, the coordination, the biomechanics, that kind of thing. But yeah, it's an, it's an awesome job and it's, it's, it's a pleasure for, you know, for us at first step to be able to, to provide that to the community. Why in the past until recently have those patients been told this is it you're in a wheelchair and that's the best it's going to get for you why 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 is why is that why is it only happening now that we can figure out there's better than that that's a good i mean that's a good question 
Um, an excellent question, actually, because it's one of those things I've wondered for 10, 15 years, you know, since I've been working specifically with this or with the neurologic population. Um, and you see, we'd see spinal cord patients that would come into us. We'd see, you know, kids with cerebral palsy that would come into us that, you know, either when they were injured or during their physical therapy that they had when they were younger, they were told by either a physical therapist, by a physician, by someone that you're not going to get better because these types of things don't get better. Um, and it's one of those things that, you know, we're, we're treating these types of patients in the clinic and we're seeing them get better. And I can't tell you how many patients we've had. They're like, you know what I want to do? I was told that I would never walk again by this doctor. So what I want to do is as soon as I can even get on a walker, I'm going to walk into that office and show them that I can. And what we started to see was that people, we'd get a little change in diagnosis. We'd get a change from a complete spinal cord injury to an incomplete spinal cord injury, or maybe, maybe they weren't as injured as we thought. Um, but either way, whatever that reasoning is, I do think the research is starting to catch up um, with what we have believed for, you know, 10, 15 years now. You're starting to see more and more research on the neuroregeneration neuro of the brain, of the spinal cord, of the peripheral nerves, that all of these, these things can improve as long as they're provided the proper environment to do that, that we're getting the proper blood flow into those areas. Um, and so you're starting to see more and more research on, on it now recently, which is awesome. Um, I think a lot of that has to do with the, the population getting getting older. You start to see a lot more research on the, the dementia, the Alzheimer's. What can we do to help help one prevent and then to treat once we get to that region? And what we're starting to what we're seeing is that, you know, it is a blood flow issue. Right. We want to get that good blood in there, the oxygenated blood into and around the nerves to be able for them to regenerate. All right. So, so um, can you give me an example of that? And how do you go about getting the good blood flow into that area? I Let me, like, for example, you sprain your ankle. The, 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 the was always ice it, keep it elevated at the beginning. Um, but now we're hearing conflicting things that you, you still ice it, but then you want to put heat onto it because heat, generates blood flow is that the same idea that you're you're talking about in, in a much more important capacity? yeah absolutely and so that, that's what you see as the i mean you're talking more from an athletic perspective and less from a rehabilitation perspective but the idea is the same so what you're looking at is yes you want during the initial injury right phase um, the acute phase is what we call it, but you want to get the inflammation down. You want to do everything you can to reduce the inflammation in that area to reduce the cell damage that's going on in that area. And now what we're seeing with the research is right after that phase, we want to start getting active, right? And from an athletics perspective, like you were saying, you want to get a little heat in there to, to loosen up the soft tissue in the area, but not just that, but start, start some active range of motion earlier and earlier in the rehab process. And what that range of what that activity does is improves blood flow into the area because that's what we need to heal. Um, we're, you know, just from a, an injury perspective, 
if we want something to heal, right? Say we have a wound, say we have a, you know, an ankle sprain, whatever that is, you have to get good blood flow into that area for it to heal. And what we're seeing with a lot of the, the folks that it just didn't happen for early on is because they, they were placed in a wheelchair, right? They were put in a position where they would tighten up. Their, their soft tissue would tighten up. The connective tissue would tighten up. The joints themselves would tighten up. And guess what? If you're in a seat, seated position and you're in that 90 degrees or more from, of hip flexion sitting in a wheelchair, you're not going to get good blood flow down into your feet. And so that's where you start to see swelling and pooling and, and um, you know, larger feet, larger lower legs than what you would normally get if you were up standing, moving around, walking, pumping some of that inflammation back out. So same idea for someone with a, neuro a neurologic disorder, same Absolutely. concept. And then how, so someone presents, then you work them through the 10 steps. That's what, that's what, is that what the part of the point of the 10 steps is to get the blood flow going? Absolutely. When you're talking from, the, from a healing perspective, um, because we have like the manual physical therapy that that's just loosening up either soft tissue, connective tissue or joints using the hands. That's what manual means. We have the therapeutic exercise steps. So you're looking specifically at which of the seven steps they are in and putting those specific exercise into that, right? Either to stretch or to strengthen or to improve blood flow coordination in that area right? Neuromuscular re-education, being able to coordinate between different, different parts of the body and, and movement. We have, we actually have sensation recovery where we're trying to stimulate the sensory receptors, right? If you have a neurologic issue, you know, you have the, the burning, the ting, tingling or the numbness. Um, you see it in neuropathies. You see it with um, different, different other peripheral nerve, you know, sciatica, that kind of stuff. Um, but really being able to stimulate the receptors in this area, specifically because we have vibratory receptors in the area, you have light touch, you have deep, deep pressure, and being able to stimulate all of these things to improve um, and really get getting as much blood flowing into that area into where those receptors are, um, you can start to see some sensation recovery in there too. So I'm a, I'm a big believer and it's okay if you, you disagree with me. I, I know we're here to be authentic. Um, I'm a big believer that um, the mental part of recovery in any situation and healing um, is just tremendously important. So positivity breeds positivity, which leads to success. I, there are some things that you can't overcome. If someone loses a leg, another one's not going to grow back. Um, but whether it's autoimmune diseases, I really believe that um, if we're in the right mental capacity and, 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 and have the will that our bodies are miracles in healing, I look at Lauren and she's just a mentally strong individual, which obviously led her to success. And she had great surroundings and great care. Um, and, and that obviously has helped her. But what do you say about can, how, how much of a role does the mental approach to, to neurological rehab, how much of a role does, does mental play in that? Oh, it's huge. Um, and, you know, we're, this is coming from a physical therapist, right? So I'm looking at the physical side of things. Um, but one of our components in the first step recovery model is cognitive rehab therapy. And so cognitive meaning looking at the brain, not just 
um, you know, what you're thinking, but how you're thinking and what you do to, to prep for movement. And, and studies have shown that if we if we sit down and we, we use imagery in a functional movement, right, I can imagine myself moving in this way that it will it does have some carryover into what we're actually physically able to do. So putting those types of things into, you know, you have someone who wants to be able to walk and they have the capacity to stand, but they don't have the, the coordination yet to be able to get that movement pattern, getting them on something. We have you know, a machine called the gait patterning machine where you're laying on your back, but it's taking you through that walking cycle or even being able to stand and unweight them enough. But prior to that physical activity, actually having the the imagery and going through that motions and and being very specific with what we're thinking about and being and like you said being positive about it right um it has shown some really good carryover into functional movement not just in rehab but also in athletics um i know a lot of times you'll hear you know baseball players football players go golfers going through the every hole every stroke every hit every you know every play of a football game prior to actually going through and, and doing the plays because you know psychologically it has shown some some benefits physically yeah no doubt i've heard you know you 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 can literally a baseball player can visualize where they're going to hit the ball um, just like even in, in business, um, people doing presentations can visualize and hear that presentation before they give it. It's the same idea. You think about it and it can happen. I'd like, I'd like to talk to you about your, your doctor in physical therapy. People go see physical therapists. Those that I never, I, they're not doctors, they're physical therapists. So you're a doctor of physical therapy. When did that come about? When did we start in in house? So explain the difference between physical therapist and that you're and a doctor of physical therapy. Sure. About twenty years ago, the the physical therapy profession um, made the decision to start moving towards away from the master's degree into a doctoral degree. Okay. And different for all schools that another year you're looking at or another semester whatever the case be there but you're looking at um the physical therapy wanting to be autonomous and wanting to be able to provide physical therapy in a direct access format for patients meaning that you would you know if you're at home you walk out you sprain your ankle you're able to come straight into the physical therapist without first having to go through the physician as a middleman especially for things like that now in, in order to do that the physical therapist needed extra training. You have to be able to differentially diagnose things and know what you would be able to treat and what you need to refer back out for. Um, and so that's really what a lot of that process was over the past you know, 10 years. I believe every physical therapy school in the country has transitioned into the doctoral program is really putting that differential diagnosis, being able to know, okay, yes, this is a pro physical therapy. Ooh, that's a, you know, that, that is some sort of, you have an an active infection going on, right? Which can cause pain. And so you come in with back pain. I notice that you have an active infection going on. I don't treat infection, right? I treat movement patterns. I treat disability. I, I, I can get the inflammation down, but if it's infected, guess what? I need to refer you back out to the physician to be able to prescribe you the proper medication to be able to get that infection level down. Then you could come back to me for the, the movement and to reduce inflammation and to get you back to where you can, you know, be more functionally active than than what you were previously. 
think we may have had some um, visual problems. The audio seemed good to me. So if people are watching on YouTube, they may have noticed the frozen screen, but you seem to be clear now. I also noticed behind you, uh, Georgia Bulldogs gear, um, defending national champs in football. You Did you graduate? Are you a big Georgia Bulldogs fan, I'm guessing? Did you graduate from, from the University of Georgia? Or? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, good. I um yeah, so I grew up a Georgia Bulldog. So my parents went graduated from University of Georgia there. My brother went there, grew up going to all the football games. I know it's a very similar experience that the folks around the Buffalo get the Bills, right? You go into these games for the Sabres, right? You go grow up going there, you go with your parents, you have the nostalgia, and then you do that with your kids now. I have two little kids. I have an eight and a six-year-old boy. We just went to the Georgia game this past this past weekend. My wife and I were at the national championship game. Um, so yeah, we've been big Georgia fans for years and years. I graduated from the University of Georgia um, back in '02. Um, so you know that's where I have a I have a strong love for the University of Georgia. Absolutely. Yeah. So Doc is out in Georgia, obviously. Um, uh, shovel sidewalk is we're here in Buffalo. Uh, and part of that connection, as I mentioned earlier, is through the Make Lemonade Foundation for Cerebral Palsy. But, Doc, you now have an office, uh, a location here in Buffalo. So you're in two locations. So congratulations on, on heading north as well. And this will be, I'm assuming, your first winter here. So enjoy <laughs> that. But uh, why why Buffalo? Um, like you said, it's through through the Make Lemonade Foundation. That's where with Lauren and Sherry, they started the Make Lemonade Foundation. They wanted to send other, be able to provide the type of physical therapy through the first step recovery model that we do to other kids and adults with cerebral palsy. And so what um, Sherry and her husband, Peter, are originally from the Buffalo area. And so they've done a lot of fundraising in that area and really built up a strong community of people with cerebral palsy in the area, you know, to, to support each other. And it's been great to see. And so one of the things they did to help support is they would send down um, kids and adults with cerebral palsy to the Atlanta area, to one of our clinics in, in, in the Atlanta area um, to get intensive treatment for one week. And so they'd come in, they'd do five hours a day, five days a week, they'd get 25 hours, they'd go home with a, a you know, stack of home, home, not just exercises, but other coordination, manual techniques, that type of stuff that either their physical therapist can do with them, that the parents can help the, the kids do at home. Um, and one of the things that we kept getting like, feedback from was um, the parents really wanted us to be able to train a physical therapist in the Buffalo area so that the, you know, they could get ongoing physical therapy through the first step recovery model throughout the year. Um, you know, so it's not just a one time come down for the year or even two or three times, um, but that they were able to, you know, get that ongoing therapy, you know, right hit right there at home. So, well, you know, over the past couple of years, that, that, that's been a goal of mine, be able to one, find the right person that would be willing to come down, train with us in the Atlanta area multiple times. I would go up, help train them, you know, physically on site and then really get everybody on the same page and, and really um, be able to bring that first step recovery model to Western New York. So yeah, we opened up 
we actually were in a temporary space since July. So we opened July 5th. We're able to start treating some patients. We rented a room out, out of the uh, motion project and we're, we're there until about two weeks ago. We moved into our permanent space um, right on Walden Avenue in Chictawaga. So we are, you know, very excited to get, get this next step, you know, of first step going in Buffalo. It's awesome. Congratulations, Doc. And in Buffalo, it's July, not July. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> yeah, it's That's great. Okay. I'm holding that I have a bit of an accent yeah. when I'm in uh, Buffalo. That's, so, That's yeah. all right. <laughs> yeah, well, you'll you'll get used to it. Um, uh, you'll. I think it's great. I think it's uh, cool. We can feel your passion. Uh, appreciate the passion and 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 the the rationale behind your work or the the process that you go through and and the willingness to, uh, I guess, uh, you know, approach things a little bit differently. And, and I guess it would be to not give up, right? It's, it's about not giving up on, on patients and uh, trying to do something as different than what we're used to seeing. Is that what that would be? Absolutely. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's one of those things, never, never give up, right? And you want to be as functional and um, pain-free and be able to do as much in your everyday life as you can physically do. Um, you know, it's like you said, there's, there, there are limits, right? If, if your legs cut off, guess what? You're not growing another leg, but you want to be as functional as you can with that. And it's the same thing with any neurologic dysfunction or disease or anything, right? You want to be as function as functional and as active throughout your life as possible. Cool. He's Dr. Josh Davis. It's first step physical therapy down in Georgia and now up here in Buffalo as well. Um, you check them out at firststeppt.com. That is firststeppt.com. Dr. Davis, appreciate you. Thanks for joining us here on, uh, on Sidewalk Talk. Absolutely. Thank you very much. If you have a story yourself that you want to share or somebody you know that has a passion and, and want to, to just use uh, this platform to help get your message out, that's what we're here for. Check out our website, shovelthesidewalk.com. Uh, leave the information. We'll get back to you and put you on a uh, future, future uh, episode. Thanks for listening or watching. I'm Steve Fortunato, and this has been Sidewalk Talk.